It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And everybody in Las Vegas should be singing, Whoa, we're halfway there. Oh, living <laughs> on a prayer. What an opening to the show story. Right? Yes, the Golden Knights downed the Colorado Avalanche in game six last night, six to three, and are now halfway to their goal of winning the Stanley Cup. Mike McKenna joining us. I'm Stormy Tony here on Nighttime at Noon. We've got a packed show, breaking down the series, breaking down how the Golden Knights have gotten to this point, of course, last night, and we'll have a real treat, too, with Keegan Colasar joining, joining the show. I can't wait to hear the players' perspective. I know for us, sitting in the building, how exciting it was, and for the fans, what it, what it must have been like, and Stormy, what an exciting moment. I mean, halfway there is true, but like this is where it really turns into something serious. You know, you get through the first round as a player and you're thinking, all right, we got something going here. And then the moment you get past that second round, you're just thinking you're this close, right? You're like (laughs) one series away from playing for the cup. And to me, like as a player, that's when it always, the switch flipped and it was go time. And you could see it in the players, just that excitement and the way that they came out for the third period, just unbelievable feeling in T-Mobile last night. You know, the players obviously had to feel incredible. I had the good fortune of being out there on the bench at the end of the game and seeing those immediate reactions. But I don't know if anybody had a better time than you on the skateboard <laughs> celebrating the win. If, if, if no one has seen this, get on Twitter or Instagram and see Mike McKenna, how he celebrated last night. I did. I, I hopped on the board and decided, you know, I got a suit on. I can't think of anything that would be more special than just ripping around on it a little bit. And it's my midlife crisis. You know, you get to 38, two years away from 40, and you, you do stupid things like buy a skateboard and try to hurt yourself. And I figured I lasted long enough on the ice without doing that, so I'll try something else that's daring. Are how, you, did, how did you celebrate? Well, um, I'm not nearly as fun as you. Um, I ha- I helped out with all of the post-game availability after the game and then went home and watched Harry Potter too. So that's my life. You know, everybody on social media sees the behind-the-scenes of the Golden Knights and thinks it's the life of luxury, and then I don't go party. Nope. I go home and watch Harry Potter and get my witchcraft and wizardry on. Anyhow, let's get into the wizardry that the Golden Knights have pulled off against the Colorado Avalanche. And from down 0 two in the series, Mike, they respond with four straight wins against an Avs team that had not lost four straight all season long to this point. How did they get it done through your eyes? I think it's because the team was able to adapt, you know, and I think that first and foremost, the Golden Knights were able to play a heavier game than Colorado. Colorado is a fast team, a skilled team, a team that defended, defended better in the regular season than people gave them credit for. I mean, they were an analytical darling. They did everything very well. They got good goaltending. They had scoring. But the Golden Knights players all were able to, one, play their role and adapt as necessary. And it's amazing to think that Chandler Stevenson, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone were a shutdown line. But this is exactly what you mean when you talk about knowing your role when it comes to a team and a series. They had to shut down Nathan McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen, and they did but they also were able to score on top of that. So you had the top line doing their job. You had scoring all throughout the lineup for the Golden Knights, but the big difference is that the D came to play, especially by game three. The points started to rack up for the defensemen on the Golden Knights, especially last night, Petrangelo. I mean, he just takes over the game. Goal and assist, Holden scores, McNabb gets a point. I mean, you only had two defensemen, one defenseman that did not have a point last night. Mm -hmm. So you talk about players knowing their role, doing their job, and adapting. At times, the Golden Knights needed to be able to find ways to get through the neutral zone. They started to flip pucks. They started to move it in different ways. 
they were able to adapt. We have a, a good soundbite here from Mark Stone talking about the depth of this Golden Knights team. We saw 12 of the 18 skaters in last night's game with points, six different players on the scoreboard with goals. Let, let's take a listen to Mark and how different people have stood up in cut three. We got a lot of guys that buy into their roles. Um, so it was pretty awesome to see those guys get rewarded. Um, you know, those guys have been soldiers for us uh, all year. Um, you know, we had guys, you know, in and out of the lineup uh, all series, uh, making different contributions at different times. And, um, for those guys to come through, you know, Coley, Will, Revo, you know, Tucky with Yanni and, and Rosie, and, you know, Patrick Brown gave us big minutes, um, you know, Shakira. Uh, played some good games for us. Uh, we had so many guys, uh, you know, kind of come in and out of the lineup uh, throughout this series, and uh, that's what it takes to, to beat a team like that. Um, you know, that's a good team that we just beat. Um, so I think moving forward, those guys are, uh, you know, they stick to their roles. Uh, when they get opportunities, it's, it's nice to see them get, get rewarded. And let's toss Nick Holden in the mix, too. Now, Mark Stone named everybody. <laughs> except <laughs> I think except Nick Holden, surprisingly enough. I mean, a big goal, points throughout the series. But you can hear it from Mark Stone about the culture of the team, that it's a next man up mentality, mm -hmm. right? Especially like, let's think about Keegan Colasar. He's been in and out. He's played played most of the season. Sat on the sidelines a little bit in playoffs. He comes in has a huge goal. We'll hear from Keegan later on in the show, but played a big role. Moves back to center. He's played wing. It's just literally plug and play. It's do what you need to do. That ancillary scoring is so important. You win playoff series with your depth, with your third line, with the momentum that your fourth line can generate. When your fourth line can out-heavy a team that doesn't have a lot of heaviness like Colorado, it's a huge benefit to have that. Even Alex Tuck was out there Alex throwing hits Tuck. on, on Nichushkin, on Nathan McKinnon. My word. Like, we saw angry Alex mm -hmm. Tuck last night. I loved it. I <laughs> loved angry Alex Tuck. Because he, I mean, he's got such a big frame that when – when he gets that burr under his saddle, watch out, man. Here comes the Clydesdale down the wing. Like, watch out. And, I mean, Nick Holden had a massive hit in the third. You know, you expect Braden McNabb. Yeah, it came I, from everywhere. You know, it really did. You expect it out of Vegas, Nabber. But, like, <laughs> when, like, Holden buries a guy, Tuck buries a guy, you're going, man, these guys are inspired. They're determined, right? It filters through the lineup. And it's, like, it's contagious that when you see things start to work from your depth players, it goes on through the lineup and it all comes together. It really is a trickle-down, and I think that's the cool thing because we hear Pete DeBoer asked all the time about the importance of your best players being your best players, but also how depth is maybe an X factor for this Golden Knights team. And last night, I feel like, was a perfect example of all of those things coming together. Even Zach Whitecloud, a plus three, seven blocks. Alec Martinez, nine blocks, five shot attempts. Uh, it's different people stepping up in a time that you need to. And, I mean, for the Golden Knights, as a team, historically, like from a franchise standpoint, this is the third semifinal appearance for this team in four years. Unheard of for an expansion team. But it's because they have also this combination of the original guys that were here, mm -hmm. that misfit line, with the additions of all of the new people that have come in, whether it's at the trade deadline or or in the offseason like yep. Alex Petrangelo. It's, it's almost like it's this <laughs> perfect storm of, of things coming from every direction right now. You take your identity. And that's the misfit line. Pete DeBoer was so prescient when he said that earlier in this series, that, hey, these guys are truly the identity of our team. And, and it's because of that, because they've been together the whole time, they were the original guys that came in with something to prove, with a chip on their shoulder, and did that, and they've carried that. They were excellent in this series. You know, and I look at, like, Riley Smith to me, I don't think his point totals from this series reflected how good he was. 
just the way he carried the puck in the zone and made, created space for Carlson and, and Marsha. So they were, they were fantastic. But then, yes, you add pieces to the puzzle. And this isn't an expansion team anymore, <laughs> right? Like we always have to say that because it's the fourth year, but you can't classify this as an expansion team. You classify the Golden Knights as a contender, period, end of story. And it's because of smart moves, but it's, it all just relates back to the cultural buy-in of the team. And, and man, I'm t when you put that C on Mark Stone, to me, that was a turning point, right? Well, and that's what Kelly McCrimmon said exactly. today, general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, when he spoke in his availability, said he, you know, he was talking about getting Max Pacioretty and the Nick Suzuki deal because the Golden Knights are going to be playing Montreal in this next um, upcoming semifinal series. And he said this team went from a good story to a contender when mm -hmm. they got Mark Stone. There's two players to me on a team that can inspire a goaltender and a captain. And you show me a team that's got a captain that doesn't have a heartbeat or a goaltender that's a mute, that doesn't talk to anybody, that just is a droid in the net, and I'm going to show you a team that's not very inspired on the ice. And you don't have that with this club. You've got you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, who inspires his teammates with those huge saves, brings the people to their feet. you got Mark Stone, who cannot contain himself when the puck <laughs> goes in the net or anything happens on the ice that's mildly confrontational, and it filters, but it's in the right way. It's a positive way, right? Like some people can be negative like that. You've got the right mix. You've got the right person as your captain that everybody can rally around. And again, it just helps create that culture and the pieces that came in. Think about Alec Martinez, right? Mm -hmm. Two Stanley Cups, scoring winners in that. Alex Petrangelo has been a captain for a Stanley Cup winning team, both in recent memory. Those are huge pieces to the puzzle. I don't know if you had the opportunity to read Emily Kaplan's story on ESPN.com earlier this week, but she did a full interview with Jonathan Marcheseau yep. and kind of went through just a variety of different things. But when talking about year one basically and now getting to this point he said on paper you know everybody now tries to say that this team was rigged essentially the way that it's sure. come together now no okay. it has been a lot of work it's been a lot of cap gymnastics but he said on paper anybody who knew hockey if you looked at that team year one you would say they sucked and those are the words he used yeah. like, you would say we sucked but the way that everybody rallied together whether it was for the city or for each other going into a different building that Somebody was a former player every night. Um, like all of these things built that up. And now it's a culture that even though so many of those pieces aren't here anymore, it's still integrated in the team. And it, it's been really cool to see. Well, there's just there's enough of it still here, yep. right? Like the core is still there, the pieces. And, and, you know, you look at these guys who came in and I, remember, I mean, I was still playing when, when the expansion happened, right? And we're all thinking, okay, these guys are – I thought they'd probably be like competitive enough that – um, you know, maybe they won't finish in the cellar, right? But it, to me, it really speaks to the depth of hockey across the board. And I've been on teams that really didn't have a lot of skill. But the team got along and had so much fun together that we were able to punch way above our weight. And really, at the start of the Golden Knights, you're looking at that perfect storm of, of things coming together that created that that culture, that that feeling of positivity and how, you know, Jonathan Marshall said, our, our fans lift us up. Mm -hmm. They don't bury us like they do in some cities, right? What's wrong with you? You're not winning. You don't hear that here. The players love you, you know? That's so inspiring for a player and for broadcasters. <laughs> I mean, and like, even for us, like, 
One hundred percent. Everybody's so happy here and positive about hockey. It's so much fun to be around. This is something that I know we'll get into a little bit later when we do a little bit of a preview of the Montreal Canadiens, who the Golden Knights will be playing in the semifinal round. Um, but the fan base, there's 18,000 plus people in this building at T-Mobile Arena. How different is that going to be going to Montreal with 2,500 plus or however many they're going to be allowed to have ultimately? Right, in both directions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th it'll, I think it'll be easier for the Golden Knights to go to Montreal having the experience of playing in empty buildings, of playing in buildings with not many people. Montreal has virtually none of that this mm -hmm. year. And when T-Mobile gets rocking, that's going to be a different ball game for them. Now, it could also go – I mean, it's still exciting. That's the thing. Like, those players are all really looking forward to having fans again. It'll be a different dynamic, though, for sure. It'll be like walking into a situation that you've – like, you've just stepped into the NHL again sometimes, right? Um, so it'll be – if I'm a Montreal player, I'm really excited about coming to Vegas for more than one reason. They've been stuck in Canada the whole time. They haven't seen a lot of people. They'll still be in a bubble when they come here. But – it's, it is a very interesting dynamic, and it adds the layer to these two teams haven't seen each other this year. The scouting report going into it that the coaches are doing right now is going to be critical to game one. And if anybody hasn't been to a Golden Knights game yet, make sure that you get in there for this playoff. It's been incredible. Tickets are going on sale today for the public at 3 o'clock Pacific time. They won't last time. long. They will not last long. <laughs> so certainly get in there and you know get geared up for the game too. Go to City National Arena and the Arsenal, the Armory. Um, get everything that you need. And hey, just in general, stop by and visit City National Arena right here in downtown Summerlin where we're broadcasting from today. You can bring the family, learn to skate like the pros at the official practice facility of your Vegas Golden Knights. So if you want hours and programming, go to City National arena.com we're going to dive into a bunch more about this series about the golden knights and about their potential future when we come back here on nighttime at noon puck out high for a shot deflected in front to the near side five seconds to go right wing shot blocked by holden two one it's over vegas wins this series six to three the final score in game six the knights knock out the avalanche with four straight wins we're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wow, what a call from the, <laughs> from the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights on the radio, Dan Duva. That's how it sounded as the Golden Knights eliminated the Colorado Avalanche in six games. And remember, fans, you guys, I know you come from all over. Join Golden Knights fans around the world with VGK Worldwide, the official global fan club of the Vegas Golden Knights. You can become a premium member by visiting VGKWorldwide.com and purchasing your kit today. Premium members receive access to exclusive merch, exciting content, specialized content and you don't want to miss this opportunity be a part of painting the globe gold mike you love gold i love gold that's <laughs> a keeper Oh, uh, well, we're we're only about a quarter of the way through the show at this point. I feel like we've already covered so much just because it's been such an exciting journey for the Golden Knights to get to this point. And what a battle it's been too, having to go through Minnesota, having to go through Colorado. Um, you know, those were two teams that at many times had the Golden Knights number throughout the course of the season, and now they've kind of conquered a mini mountain. <laughs> I thought during the regular season, Minnesota pushed the Golden Knights harder than Colorado. Those games were tough, and you saw it in playoffs, right? That was a seven-game series 
compared to six for Colorado when you think about it, right? And, but I think that the Golden Knights really learned a lot about themselves and how they needed to play against Minnesota. You had a team that clogged the middle, that took away some of the best chances that the Golden Knights had previously had, transition, rebounds. You didn't see that with Minnesota, so they had to find ways to beat them. And then you roll it into Colorado as a series, and you take your knowledge from that previous mm -hmm. one. And you learn how to adapt. You learn how to alter your approach to get different chances on goal, to not just live on the rush. Right? You learn how to close out a series and as you well. you do, because you get that vibe. They closed out a series on home ice, Game 7. You think you want that feeling again as a player? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's like, man, Stormy, I don't make predictions. I do not like to do that at all. Like When I get tossed to questions like, hey, who's going to score the game winner? I, mean, I don't know, Ned Braden. But... My only prediction was that if the Golden Knights won Game 5, they were going to come home and win Game 6. I truly felt that because it, it, they just you – could, you could sense it, right, that they had that determination. And last night was a wildly exciting hockey game. One goal, back the other direction. Golden Knights are trailing. They bounced back right away and went back and forth. And then it got to the point, though, where you just went, they're not losing this. Mm -hmm. They're not. And they won the game that they had to win on the road. And Mark Stone talked mm -hmm. about it, how game three for him coming back to home ice and having this fan base behind them. Like, that was the turning point for him in the series. You don't worry until you lose a game at home. Exactly. How so, many games did they lose at home in the second round? Not a one. That's a right. Not a one. But Pete DeBoer had some really good comments as well just after the game on what it took to defeat the Colorado Avalanche. Let's take a listen to cut two. I mean – we, it still hasn't sunk in. We, we beat a team that, you know, maybe has the best analytics in, in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, a team that, that people were, were pretty much handing the Stanley Cup to, you know, all preseason, all season, and, and for sure once the playoffs started and, and for sure after they, they rolled through the first round. So, um, you know, I... Uh, uh, if anyone ever questioned our group, um, you know, I, I think they answered the bell and, uh, you know, the, what they just accomplished is huge. And, and having said that, you know, we're only halfway done here where we're going, which is, which is hard to believe. I mean, we won 40 out of 50 games and, and drew Minnesota and Colorado in the first two rounds. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to believe, but, uh, you know, we haven't complained. Guys have just gone to work, and, and we beat two excellent teams to, to get the opportunity to keep playing here. You know what? I think that's actually a really great quality of this Golden Knights team, that they have done what it's taken time and time again. Um, when people – when they were – they were down 0-2 in this series, down but not out. Other people might have counted them out. Pete DeBoer talked about how everybody was jumping ship after game two and that the Avs were, you know, the favorite. They were the big dog, but the Golden Knights never believed that. There was no panic and there was confidence the whole way, and more than anything, there was work to get to this point. It all changed in game two. They may not have won game two, but after the first period of that game, the series flipped because it planted a seed of doubt in Colorado's mind mm -hmm. because they knew how well the Golden Knights played in that second and third period and that Philip Grubauer bailed their team out in game two to get that second victory. You can toss that first game one out the window. The players won't make excuses. Pete DeBoer won't make excuses, but I will. <laughs> they had everything stacked against them. Come on, they played, a, they played a seven game series two days before. They traveled from two different time zones back and forth. 
Like, you think you can roll your momentum and your emotional aspects. Sometimes you can, but that is really difficult to do. And then by game two, after that first period, first they got all the minor penalties out of the way because they had four in the first. And that was a theme throughout this series. After that, mm -hmm. for those first four periods for the Golden Knights, they were very disciplined, right? Well, and how much do you think, be honest, how much do you think Pete DeBoer's comments about the embellishment, and it's it's not on the refs, but hey, you know, they had to fight through a lot of the abs, you know, grabbing whatever, and... Uh. Like, do you think that that plays a role? Do the refs hear that kind no. of stuff? Because it did really tighten up after that. I, I don't think that matters to me. Okay. The, the, the coaches. I think the referees just, one, ate the whistles, and two, the games were cleaner. I think the players adapted to yeah, the Yeah, I would agree set. with that. Because, like, I mean, the first game, there were three, there were four slashing penalties and three holding penalties in the same game. And, you know, even you look at this call on Riley Smith while well, he knocks a stick out of a guy's hands. Well, you know, you think twice about putting your stick in somebody's hands or on their stick when that happens. So I think it was really the players adapting to it. But even when your coach says those things, it's in your head that, hey, like, we got to clean this up, guys, mm -hmm. right? And that filters through your leadership into the room. And they did. Five on five, the Golden Knights were able to dominate a team that crushed five on five. And then they kept them off the power play, and the PK did its job for the Golden Knights. Got a couple power play goals here and there. But to me, that was a big key for the team, playing those five-on-five five minutes. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stormy Bonantoni and Mike McKenna with you. And something I did want to talk about, because I can't help it, we, we mentioned Petro off the top, but Alex Petrangelo has been a difference maker in this series. And you see why this time of year, playoff time, when it counts, why you spend the money that you do on a D-man like him, and he has a series-clinching goal. You win with defense. Okay. Now, the, the offensive side that Alex Petrangelo brings, fantastic. That filters through the lineup as well on the backside. But he's playing shutdown hockey. He's playing all over the ice. I mean, he's playing 25 minutes a night, big time. And, man, that pairing of him with Alec Martinez has just been outstanding. The block shots, the offense that comes with it, getting the transition going right away, they've been a dynamic pair but you really have seen Alex Petrangelo step up on the big stage here, and he's done it previously. He's won a Stanley Cup doing it. This, it's not easy to go to a different franchise. You've got to learn the team. You've got to learn the system. He battled through COVID. He battled through an injury. Mm -hmm. like, there was a lot going on this year for him. You know? And again, you're not making excuses. It's reality. It's not easy to do. And it's in a unique year where you have to deal with protocols sure. and different things, moving your family to a new place. Like, There's a lot of things behind the scenes that yeah. go on. But now, like... I look at it, too, like you're starting to see the little bit of nastiness in Petro that's always been there, right? He's tough to play against. Like, his, his stick will hurt you if you come near him. And it's kind of undercover, right? Like, the great defensemen all have that inherent nastiness to them, in my eyes. The Chris Prongers of the world, the Scott Stevens from back in the day, like, they have that. Uh, and, and I think that, I mean, geez, that interview. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Shall we, shall we talk about it just briefly touch we, on okay, it? Okay, briefly, because we do have to take a break. And fortunately, okay. Keegan Colasar is going to join us in just a couple minutes on the other end of this break. <sighs> but, yes, okay. If you guys were keeping an eye on Golden Knights social media yesterday or if you were in the arena during the game, Alex Petrangelo walked up for an intermission interview with me. <laughs> and as he walked out, he's like, oh, man, I don't have a shirt. Left my shirt in the room. It's okay. Let's do it. Through the towel over his shoulders. We're going old school. That's... If he was a goalie, that was a backup towel. He is not a backup defenseman. But that, I mean, it's like the building, and it got showed on the it got showed on the Nitron in T-Mobile. 
And it was like the building built to this crescendo because they saw him and it was almost like they didn't believe their eyes. And then it was the cheer and the noise. When I saw him up there without the, without a tarp on, I thought they're not losing. There's no chance they're losing. That was that was your that's sign. Turning, oh, I'm dead serious. Game over. It was shirtless Petro. It that's was the like, winner. This is it. Hammer down. They're not losing. No way. This is the, this is so much swag and so much confidence. That was it. His own his only other series clincher game winning goal. What was that? Oh, uh, I believe that was game seven. Stanley Cup final yeah not too bad not too many people can put that <laughs> on their resume well we'll talk uh, more about i think this is something we should probably ask keegan about let's get we'll should. get keegan colasar's reaction to the series and petro's style choices when we come back here on nighttime at noon from the draw shot they score it was tipped down low ryan reeves right near the net vegas takes the lead back three to two colasar with Reeves around the net, and I think the last man to touch it was Keegan Colasar. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stormy Bonatoni and Mike McKenna with you today here on Nighttime at Noon, and what a call that was from our guy Dan Duva on the first career playoff goal of Keegan Colasar, Golden Knights forward, who we're lucky to have on the line with us now. Hey, Keegan, how are you doing? I'm sure you're a pretty popular guy today. <laughs> Same as always, not too popular. Um, just living my life and uh, still getting chirped by my little sister. Oh, getting chirped for from what? <laughs> Uh, just being a loser, same as always, you know how siblings are. Yes, I can definitely relate to that. But personally, I guess, have you come down from the excitement of last night yet? Or how, how are you feeling in that space? Uh, it's exciting. Uh, talking to all of my buddies and my family back home. It's crazy to think, you know, we're going to the conference finals. Um, very exciting and uh, looking forward to, you know, the rest of the journey here. Keegan, Mike McKenna here. I mean, there's nothing like being in a locker room after a big series win, right? And especially on home ice. Take us through what it's like to skate off the ice, go into the locker room, and the celebration that takes place, knowing that 18,000 people are supporting you and you can feel that emotion in the locker room. It's amazing. Um, it's so fun. Um, you know it, Mike. You know, it's, you can't really put it into words. Everyone's just screaming at the top of their lungs, don't even know what you're saying, but you know, we're all just very happy. All right, so let's go through the goal last night. I mean, you've you've played wing this year. You've played center, third line, fourth line. You've done so much as a utility man. But last night, your goal, integral, right? You get to face off, go to the front of the net. What was the game plan off the, off the draw? It seemed like to me you guys had the mentality that it was going to be quick strike last night. Four of the five goals with a goalie in the net were. Is that what you guys were trying to accomplish? Yeah, we just wanted to get in front of the goalie's eyes. Um, he's been big for them, so... Um, biggest thing for us was just get it, get it man and pucks to the net, and uh, you know it's not going to be a pretty one. Most most goals, you know, Mike are just greasy and um, they're hard to come by. So we just wanted to be like that, and luckily enough, I was able to find one. Very serious question for you: uh, the guy with the assist on that play, Alex Petrangelo, showed up for his interview after the second period shirtless. Did you chirp him like your sister chirps you? I didn't know he came shirtless to the interview. <laughs> But uh, I definitely couldn't chirp him about it because I'm a rookie. And, um, yeah, you just don't do that. Know your role. So, get, so, hold, on, so <laughs> hold on a second. So nobody knew this was going down, right? He just steps out and does the interview. When did the guys find out 
that he had done this without his shirt. Like, did you guys all hit social after the game, and, and then like the group ch chat started flying around and and look at Petro? How did that go down? Uh, I honestly, I don't even know if the guys knew about it. I, I didn't even see the interview. Um, I'm just hearing it now for the first time, so I think wow. it's pretty funny. Oh, I mean, well, I'm like, so happy to deliver I, this interview. This in, this in information to you yeah <laughs> I, I respect him doing whatever he likes i think it's funny <laughs> well okay i'll go back to the serious note then for you just um can you just talk a little bit about the grind that this postseason has been because obviously minnesota such such a tough competitor a team that's you know had their way in a lot of instances against the golden knights in the regular season and then you have to face the colorado avalanche a team that you guys split with in the regular season um you know two very very tough opponents Can you just talk about that and maybe how those series have made you and this team better uh, it's exciting um went through a lot of adversity during the regular seasons i think i prepped us well for the playoffs um we prepared, we planned well to, to play both teams, and we knew it wasn't going to be an easy road getting out of division. We knew how strong the team Minnesota is, and we knew that Colorado was, you know, they're right there with us at first. We knew we had to go through them eventually, and um, just very excited that we got through for you to hop in the lineup and play like you have, like you've got experience at the American Hockey League level going deep in a playoff run. And I'm curious how that filters into your game, and especially having done it with some of your teammates, right? Nick Haig's been there. Zach Whitecloud's been there with you as well. But also looking up to the players that have the long Stanley Cup runs, how much similarity do you see in that? And what have you been able to learn from the experiences at different levels leading into the National Hockey League and the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, it helps. Um you kind of get uh, the right mind frame of, you know, playing this late, um, what it takes to win, what it takes to go far. Um, and you learn from your leaders on every team. Um, guys I had over there, Kurt McKenzie, TJ Tynan, um, they both have won it, and they helped me along the way. And, and now you got guys like Alec Martinez, Flower, Pietrangelo, those guys have won it as well, and, and uh, you know, they're leading the way. Does it feel a little bit surreal sometimes just being in the position that you're in and knowing that you are surrounded by, by those types of guys? I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, a future Hall of Famer, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was saying in all third period yesterday, like they had probably five or six great A's in the first five minutes, and I just kept looking at guys like, my God, is he good. And I, all my buddies, you know, asked me all the time, you know, what's it like playing with Flower, like you know, he's he's a legend of the game. I said he's the most humble, nicest guy ever, and um, you know, it, it's an honor playing with him. You're speaking to my soul here, being an old goalie, as you know. I mean, I always felt this way, Keegan. That goalies have to inspire their teammates, right? Like a big save can make a huge difference in a game. But man, when you guys look down the ice and you see a miraculous save by Flower, and then he's smiling and laughing. <laughs> Like, how do you guys keep a straight – like, can you keep a straight face? Is it just the pure joy that he has that filters throughout the locker room? Yeah. Um, his excitement um, is infectious in the locker room. Um, I'm smiling all the time, and, you know, I go give him a, a tap. And You're breaking up a little bit on us, Keegan. Can you hear us? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, good. Uh, I missed the last couple seconds of that, if you want to repeat yourself, if you don't mind. Uh, he's just so calm in the net. Um, he's just having fun out there. And 
Um, it's awesome to see, and it's very infectious for all of us. For sure. Really, really great stuff. And I have one last question for you before we let you go. Obviously, you guys are going to be taking on the Montreal Canadiens next. And uh, it's going to be a little bit like back to the future, I feel like, in some ways, because you've had this experience now with the full capacity fans and essentially like the protocols have been changed and everything. Now you're working backwards a little bit, going back to the hotel and rink exclusively when you're across the border. What do you what do you anticipate that's going to feel like? Is it uh, for me, thinking about it, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and you know what? We haven't really thought about that far ahead yet. You know, we're just worrying about here in Vegas to start. But thinking about that, it's going to be weird. We're all going to have to do our part because um, uh, from what I know, the Canadian government's pretty strict on what's going to happen. So we just have to follow suit. And, and you know, it's, it's COVID still. So kind of a privilege that we're getting this opportunity to play there so we all just got to do our part and um, follow the rules great perspective on that thank you so much for the time keegan we appreciate you yeah no problem thanks for having me guys thanks keegan best of luck and it's a privilege to watch these guys what they're doing on the ice isn't it yeah i mean to see think about think about keegan and the path he's taken and where he's at right now to establish himself as an NHL player, playing quality minutes in playoff hockey, yeah. enjoying the process. Like you can see his smile on the ice and everybody on the team. It's why we're having so much his fun. His sister needs to be nicer. Maybe, you know, maybe that's what I should have. <laughs> maybe it fuels him. Maybe. That's what I should have told him before we let him off the line. Tell your sister Stormy says be nice. <laughs> It's a little thing. You're such a kind soul, Stormy. <laughs> you really are Thank a ray of light, light to it. all of us. <laughs> but while we are, um, kind of, that's a good segue, I think, to get into a little bit of the Montreal talk here in this segment. And it's weird to me because I feel like, in a way, against Colorado, the Golden Knights did kind of have this underdog role in a way, as weird as that sounds. I mean, the Golden Knights were the only team in the National Hockey League to have 40 wins this season. Especially after game one. Yes, yes. Um, the, the narrative definitely made you feel that way. Now you're playing a Montreal Canadiens team who nobody, quite frankly, anticipated being here. So now that's kind of their story, and the Golden Knights can't overlook this opponent in any way, shape, or form. Mm-mm. And it's easy to look at the Montreal Canadiens and just go, Oh, they've got Carey Price. Uh, no, that's not the case here. That's not how it works. No, you don't make it to the Final Four and win two rounds if you're not a good team that's playing great hockey at the right time. And I'll remind people of the LA Kings when they won their first cup. They barely made playoffs, but they peaked at the right time. That's what you're seeing with Montreal right now. And this was a team that was good at the start of the year. They lost their way midway through for a while. They were treading water, and now they're coming back. And, I mean, they... They're taking care of the defensive zone first. They're worrying about offense later. They're getting out of their zone better. They're executing. They've got young players that are playing well that have been inserted into the lineup. And, yes, Carey Price is being Carey Price. So there's a lot of things going with Montreal that's in their favor right now. They're an underdog, and it's always dangerous. I think one thing that's a little bit good for the Golden Knights that plays into their favor a little bit is that they didn't have this Game 7 super dramatic, and then turn around two days later and start the series. They have some rest time. The first game isn't until Monday night, 6 o'clock Pacific time, right here in Las Vegas at the Fortress. Um, but 
Montreal's been sitting and waiting, too. If you've got a hot goalie, it's nice to let him cool off a little bit right now, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and he's he's feeling the flow doing the bull dance Caddyshack style, I think, a bit <laughs> right now. Uh, but really what you see, and, and I think this was really important for the Golden Knights leading into Game 2 that helped them as well, is that they had – remember there were two days between Game 1 and Game 2 of the series against Colorado. And it allowed the team to have a full practice and have a full day of prep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you play a game and then you just get on a on a when you play a game, you get on a plane the next day and you play the next night in two different series, you really don't get the prep you wanted. You're kind of just riding the wave and hoping it goes well. They're going to be ready. They're going to be dialed in systematically. Even though they haven't played against the Canadians yet this year, they're going to know them inside and out. They're going to know what to expect. The teams are going to feel each other out mm-hmm. to start, but tactically they'll get it. But they're also going to have their rest, and they're going to have a chance to recoup to get more people healthy again, by the way, which we're seeing, and, and we could even touch on that, right? The Tomasz Nosek's getting closer, we hear, right. from Kelly McCrimmon. Peyton Krebs. I know. That was nice to hear. Wow. Big surprise, that right? That he has been a full participant now. Right. Yanmark was back in the lineup. So Ryan Reeves Max was back. Pacioretty Max back. Pacioretty. So you're, you're seeing the Golden Knights get back to their full health to make tough lineup decisions, mm-hmm. frankly, for Pete DeBoer because people are playing well. But that benefits the team, and especially a day or two off. Health is a good problem to have (laughs) for the Golden Knights. But I mentioned Max Pacioretty there. What a story it is for him. Former Montreal Canadiens captain, former first-round pick, really grew up in the organization, spent 10 NHL seasons, including three as a captain, as I said. And that's a big deal for an American Mm -hmm. in a French-Canadian town, an original six-team for him to be a captain of that franchise, it's it's a big deal. And now he's going to be playing his former team in the playoffs. What's I can't imagine what that must be like. Against Nick Suzuki, who was in the trade. I know. Who's, oh, by the way. Not too shabby. Playing very well for that team over there in, in Montreal. Who also, by the way, has Tyler Toffoli, who the Golden Knights saw with the Vancouver Canucks last year in playoffs, leading their team in scoring. But for Max Pacioretty, it's a homecoming that, you probably didn't expect this season in the third round. It's just not how it works from two different conferences. The booze with him coming back will be a little bit more quiet because there's only however many people that are going to be in the building. I don't know how you. But boo- there will be booze. I don't know how you. I boo anticipate. The guy. I don't. He's you one don't of the think so? Guys. You don't. No, I agree. I Huge just, Max Pacioretty fan, but I'm just saying. From I mean, Canadians fans are intense. They're loud. They're intense. And, well, th- I take this back. They're not. They're they're loud at the certain times. That market there's is a, intense. There's a buzz in the in the Bell Center in Montreal that's hard to describe elsewhere. Okay, like every building has a little bit of a different vibe to it, and there's like this kind of like quiet buzz until something happens there. It's not like Vegas where it's just raucous all the time, which is just the coolest thing. Um, but I think it'll be mixed bag for Max, right? Like you go back and you're appreciated there, but those fans aren't going to want to see him win. No, and I guess that's more so my point right. is that, like, there's a love affair, but... But is he ever going to be motivated to beat that old club? Oh, yes, 100%. Oh, and that's man. kind of what goes back to the year one mentality that we're talking about. Everybody had to go into their former buildings and try to beat them. Like, that's kind yeah. of... Everybody's going to rally around Max, I think. And there's so many French Canadians on the team as yes. well that that's home for them. And, and Max has taken a step in his career since leaving Montreal. He's played his best hockey as a Golden Knight. That pairing with with Mark Stone has been phenomenal. And he's got more to prove. And like you said, the French-Canadian players. How about this matchup? You've got Carey Price and Marc-Andre Fleury, two Canadian Olympic goaltenders, head-to-head. I mean, 
there's a lot of really cool storylines here. And goalie nerds love it. But yes, four French Canadians, right? Yeah. Nicois, Marc-Andre Fleury, Will Carrier, and I'm missing somebody right off the top of my head. <laughs> and that person's going to be angry at me. You know, something that the French really enjoy? Food and wine. And Bill and mm-hmm. Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions. World-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding travel destinations. As a member of the society, you'll have access to an entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek the experience of the finer things in life. Join for free today by visiting FoleyFoodAndWineSociety.com. When we come back, we'll be taking some of your questions. Use that hashtag nighttime at noon. We're also going to discuss our beard rankings, the playoff beard rankings. I know this is the hard-hitting journalism you've really been looking for on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us on Nighttime at Noon. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. For exclusive Vegas Golden Knights gear, visit one of the Vegas Golden Knights official team store locations. The Armory located at T-Mobile Arena, the Arsenal at City National Arena, where we're broadcasting from today, or VegasTeamStore.com. And for me, I've been in the bubble almost all season long, so that's where I've had to do my team store ordering is VegasTeamStore.com. Stormy Tony and Mike McKenna with you here on Nighttime at Noon after the Golden Knights pulled off a major 6-3 win in Game 6 to eliminate the President's Trophy winning call. Colorado Avalanche from the Stanley Cup playoffs and will now advance to the semifinals against Montreal. That series will begin on Monday and tickets go on sale today at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Get in there. Also, the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning, the final semifinal game beginning on Sunday. Wow, Mike, I'm talking a lot. Yeah, but you're good at that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I've been accused of that too many times in life, and it's actually a true (laughs) accusation. So thank you, Mom. You've taught me well. Well, now we're going to take some questions from other people. Instead of you sifting questions from me, I'm just going to read from other people. At Paleo Saber said, how important is is it that Alec Martinez is re-signed? Incredibly. Team's got to worry about winning a Stanley Cup first. But yeah, I one thing at a time. But. I think once that's done, though, I, I I would imagine that's really high in the pecking order. He's a critical part of the team, leader, blocking shots, scoring, you name it. Just huge part of the team. Yeah, led the lead in, league in block shots in the regular season, also here in the postseason. Brian Zanin said, thoughts on Zach Whitecloud's performance last night and roughing it up with McKinnon and Landeskog. Thought Mega. he was outstanding. Yeah, and I like when he plays with an edge. I think Zach Whitecloud maybe is the type at times we almost underestimates how strong he is, right? That's a that's a strong body, man. And when he starts chucking people around, I think his whole game ups a level with that. He had a nice one last night, plus three, block seven shots. Just and what he does on the penalty kill, just awesome, a warrior, man. And, and he's got, you can tell his interviews. He's so intelligent in the way he plays. It transfers into how he kills. He's always in the lane. Love that. Um, we have a number of food questions. Oh, Compliments of some it. good people. I mean, Jared Justice, who's on the other end, pushing all the fancy buttons mm-hmm. behind us here on Fox Sports Las Vegas, as well as Gary Lawless, our good friend, and Willie Ramirez. So I'm just going to kind of do a rapid fire with you, okay? Let's do it. First, waffles or pancakes? Waffles, crisp, texture. I'm a waffles girl as well. Yes. I would say throw french toast in there might have to get a little more risky okay regular or crisp cut fries crisp cut fries you can get a lot of ketchup on them and i really like that dynamic steak fries with a ranch and ketchup mixture that's where i'm going that's so bougie i'm i'm so bougie with my (laughs) condiments um pea soup or poutine this one coming from the lawman i'll go 
Oh gosh, law man, I'm gonna get. That's such on a perfect one, no question, what. though. He did that for Montreal, right? I know. <laughs> I actually would go pea soup because I'm not huge. Don't on you dare say you don't like cheese or cheese curds. I I do like cheese curds. I'm not a huge cheese person, but they, it's got to be the right curds. It's got to be real poutine, right? It's got to have gravy and curds, not the shredded cheese. It's got to be curds. Lawman knows what I'm talking about. You know how in the movie and the pea soup has to have ham in it. <laughs> It, it must. You know how in the in the movie Elf, um, like syrup is a food group. Syrup, candy corns, candy, candy canes, <laughs> and uh, I always forget the fourth one. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, that's how I feel about cheese. Cheese is its own. I just love it. Any type, any type, any time, any place, anywhere. I'm going for it. Give me all of the cheese. Um, we have a couple minutes left here on nighttime at noon, and one thing that has just been a prevailing topic in my head—it's just been living up there, occupying time and uh, time and space in my mind—is the playoff beards mm-hmm. that are happening mm-hmm. on the Golden Knights. And I want to do a little ranking system. Do you have a top three Golden Knights playoff beards? Yeah, I, I think Petro, to me, is the clubhouse leader already. He started a little early, which I respect. Um, I think I'm still... He's a veteran. He knows what to do. Well, and I think I'm still blinded by him with the shirtless backup towel interview with the beard combo. That was just... It was so lumberjackish that I, I, I loved it. Um, he's up there. I love, I love how Mark Stones is coming in. It you is. Know? I noticed that in the press conference last night. It's it's nice. And and it's it's definitely got some flair to it, right? It's not complete. It's it's kind of got some some personality to itself and and I've been a, just a massive fan of Chandler Stevenson all year with the mustache, but now the rest is coming in. I think it's a really clean look for him and when he goes with the the long hair slicked back, it's it's pretty pretty solid look. The hands down winner for me. Offensive juggernaut Nick Holden. With the push <laughs> With the mustache. The old soup strainer. <laughs> Holdy, awesome goal last night from Nick Holden. Uh, just from the from the blue line, a beauty trickled in there somehow past Grubauer. Great stuff. But nothing greater than the, what do you call it, the soup strainer? Soup strainer, cookie duster, push broom. Big fan. And it is, it's getting, it started off a little bit slow. He told me not too long ago his wife, not a fan. Does not like it at all. But it was a little bit flesh colored at the start. Now it's starting to thicken up. It's getting some color to it. I pff, big fan. His hair is a yeah. cool haircut too right well, now. He did it last year in the bubble as well. You know, it was very, very. It was luxurious. Even he got <laughs> over the top lip, and it's. I mean, I didn't really wasn't able to grow a mustache until like. 26, 7, 8 years old. I had a full Oh, well, full I'm 28, I so I hope one doesn't come in anytime soon. Well, oh, you might sideshow act if you want. But Speaking <laughs> of Nick Holden, though, we've got we've got just about a minute and a half or two minutes left here, but Nick Holden and Marc-Andre Fleury last night uh, in the press conference room. I, I want to share some of this with you guys because it's so just entertaining, those two throwing tape at each other, messing with each other in the room. And I've been bringing crumble cookies because I brought them one time and the Golden Knights won, and so now you know you know how these things happen. Uh, it's like Shane wearing his his like, <laughs> shoes that he's worn repeatedly. Yes, exactly. So I mean, Mark Andre he makes this like bird call, like like in the background you hear it, and then he walks around behind the like presser backdrop thing, sees the cookies, and gets in on the cookie action. And all the meanwhile, like Nick Holden is eyeing him the whole way. He's like, "What are you gonna do to me? What are you gonna do to me?" And Flower sees this roll of tape and chucks it at him. So Holdy got a little bit of the redemption when. Mark Andre had to go sit at the table, but 
Just a reminder for any of you guys that are like interested in this kind of behind the scenes stuff. Throughout all of round two, I've been doing a like vlog content. Our great producer and videographer Katie Schmeichel uh, has been helping me out with that, and she'll be editing that together for all of your consumption on the VGK social channels soon. So you'll have that moment of him eating cookies and throwing tape. tape. <laughs> I love that inner dynamic. I love I, the dynamic. I told you, I'm here for all the cookies really- Cookies and tape. The That's real serious stuff. Um, a huge thank you to Dakota Miller, who's here in studio with us, Jared Justice on the controls, Mike McKenna as always here just what a pleasure you are. And Golden Knights forward Keegan Colasar for joining the show. Our guy Sage Sammons for hooking that up. Mm -hmm. Great time here on Nighttime at Noon in the VGK. Moving on. Third time in four years to the semifinals. Go Knights go.